you know, just because you're not where you want to be doesn't mean you can't be moving forward. And, uh, and in fact, I would argue that the very thing that looks like a detour is going to lead you to the very thing you need to achieve your success. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at MikeBone, or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by DailyCreativeHabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. Hey, you know, so often our creative journeys are messy, right? We want them to be this kind of straight and up and to the right type of climb and success after success. And so often it is fraught with failure and fear and doubt. It looks like a scribbled mess. And my guest this week is Travis Bradley. He is a visual artist who has worked on murals in the past, and he talks a little bit about some of the projects he's been involved with on that front. As well, he has a project that is called Scribbles, and you can see this on Instagram. It's commission-based, and basically you submit a scribble to him, and he looks at that scribbled mess, and he finds a story in it. He finds a creature. He finds a monster, and he applies his visual art techniques and talent to create something out of this scribbled mess, and um, I love that, you know, in this conversation, we uncover a lot of things that are of interest to Travis and how, in the past, it's been some clues to what he's doing now. He has been taking those things from the past and bringing them together to now create this new project that he has. And it's all about how he sees things, how he looks at scribbled mess and finds a story, finds some clarity and creates out of that and then presents the person with his creation. So it's this collaborative piece that involves community that we talk about the importance of community so much in this episode as well. So without further ado, I'm going to get out of the way. Here is my creative chat with Travis Bradley. Well, Travis, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Mike. Absolutely. So I love when I get to speak with fellow visual artists because there's obviously a kinship there where we're like, man, we've been in the trenches. Uh, we have some things that we've endured that uh, some other people uh, don't understand the context for. But obviously, as we talk about creativity and talk about uh, not only the, the things that we create in terms of artwork, but just how we live our lives, um, I think there's a lot of benefit for us examining our stories, our process, uh, as we were just talking about before we hit record. And uh, I'm excited to explore what that looks like in your life. Um, so I would love for just the first question, if you could let us know, like, when was the first time you knew that you were a creative person? Like, what were you doing? What did that look like? Was it when you were a kid? So I, I would say... <laughs> At, you know, to put a number on it, I guess two years old, but really as long as I can remember, um, I grew up in a, like an Italian Catholic household and my grandfather was very much, you know, children are to be seen, not heard. And so I remember every Friday night going over my grandpa's house for pizza and, uh, 
he would put me in front of me this giant stack of like um unusable printer paper with the like the perforated oh like, yeah yeah eyes and stuff <laughs> um that his company probably couldn't use and uh put a pencil in my hand and i was expected to you know entertain myself for three hours and that happened for about 12 15 years um so as much as i love when people compliment my work i i just kind of tell them like well if you do anything consistently for 15 years you're bound to get at least decent at it yes yes for sure yeah, yeah. and so you were what kinds of things were you drawing and, and creating when you were a kid so <laughs> Uh, I loved Power Rangers growing up. I'm dating myself here. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm a 90s kid and uh, I love, love Power Rangers. And uh, there's a less popular show called Beetleborgs that followed the same kind of structuring. Um, but in both shows, there was this like evil um, servant henchman who would create monsters to you know achieve the evil bad guys bidding you know these like really uh grotesque for a five-year-old uh threats and i always got frustrated that the power rangers won like i don't know if that means <laughs> I need, I, like I, I don't know if that means i need therapy but like i got upset that they would always win like it just even at that young of an age it didn't feel that believable um, cause you don't always win. Right. Right. You know? And at five years old, I'm like, okay, like I'm fine with them winning most of the time, but like, where's the losses? So what really spurred my creativity was I would take these creatures from these shows and I would make them more sinister. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I think they would have won if they had a head on the back of their, you know, on the back of their head, you know, so they could see in both directions. They wouldn't be blindsided or, oh, they need an extra pair of arms. Or what if they had like sticky hands so they could climb sides of buildings? Or what if they were thinner so they could move faster? And so, again, I was five years old. What I didn't realize I was doing was I was engaging in character design. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I was just I was I was watching this show and I was just like, man, like if you had just given them an extra pair of arms, like and so I would just design creatures after creatures after creatures. And I would say I've predominantly gravitated towards the the baddies, the bad guys, um, just because you're white knights, you're, you know, knight in shining armor like they, they just tend to be very cookie cutter. Um, whereas your bad guys tend to have a little bit more flavor and, you know, that, that was where I committed myself. Yeah. Yeah. I love how it just, you know, emerges out of your own interests and like the problems you're trying to solve, uh, you know, for yourself, you know, it's a very <laughs> natural thing. Um, so, and then you're doing this. And so th this is something then you pursue. Yes. Like this is something you're like, okay, I want to, to do that more of this. And this is what I want to attach some livelihood to. I mean, what does that part of your journey look like? Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, I've got to give a round of applause to my parents um, just for their unwavering support. Um, my dad is the literal definition of a handyman. Um, if you need him to build something, he'll build it. Um, and I don't know, like, and both my grandparents, like my grandfather's same way. So I come from like a very like nails for breakfast, masculine bloodline and as we both know creativity tends to be attributed to more of the feminine spectrum mm -hmm. which i don't think is right but it's just kind of how socially we've come to this place and i was just very thankful that neither my father or my grandfathers saw my creativity as something to be discouraged mm -hmm. and so you know i just i had a lot of support from from my family and um, I had a very distinct memory from first grade. You know, I was the awkward introvert kid. Um, I'm a very loud introvert, but make no <laughs> mistake, after this conversation, I'm going to have to go stare at a wall for an hour. <laughs> um, I love talking to people, but it does come at my expense. Yes. And uh, I was just trying to find a way to plug myself in. And there was another kid, his name was Keith Gerke. And uh, he drew this like lion. And I remember all the kids just like swarming the table he was drawing at. And I was like, I can draw. 
And, and so I started drawing and we kind of got into this friendly rivalry and, uh, and yeah, man, like that's kind of where it started. Like, as far as me, like in my head saying, like, I want to pursue this, yes. you know, the support of my family. And then just that realization that I could find community, you know, through my talents. And then mm-hmm. obviously that evolved going into middle school and into high school. I took as many classes as I could. I've always been a huge, huge lover of cinematography and film. Um, and so I just poured myself into the visual arts and storytelling. And we'll get into that more later, but story is a huge part of my creativity. And I decided to go to Pratt for college. That was kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the next step um but i quickly found out that if i rode that wave all the way to the shore i would probably be way too busted up to ever draw again and so i jumped ship before the debt got too severe um i got through my sophomore year and had a certificate of completion um and so at least i i completed something but i was supposed to transfer down to their brooklyn campus campus and complete the the curriculum but i look i reviewed it and it was literally like um you're gonna learn how to like talk at cocktail parties and we're gonna do a bunch of like fictional freelance jobs where the teacher is your client and you know how was your response time were you too wordy in your emails you know like did you take into consideration the client's needs versus your vision and all the stuff And while I totally acknowledge art school is a valuable thing and being in a space of like-minded people is something I do not regret, um, I got to a point where I realized I can do all of this on my own. Like it, it may take me twice the amount of time. And so therein lies the value of school. It's, it's really more of a catalyst, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the stepping stool to help you get to the top shelf. It's just, it's going to get you to the top shelf faster. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, instead of drowning myself in debt, I'm going to go the long, play the long game. And so, yeah, I just, you know, odd end jobs, dead end jobs, and just kept working on my talents in the background. Mm -hmm. And so with that launching out on your own, like, were you, looking for like who do you know in in certain places or like how did opportunities come to you that were aligned with where you wanted to go um because i know like one of the things that that they did for me as far as art school you know was a lot of the professors they were in the field and they would help you at least give you some introductions and you know set you up with okay you're graduating we're not just going to leave you high and dry um, but but at least there's some kind of system there to help you launch from there. Um, so w- was that kind of all on you to figure out how that looked or, you know, how did you make those connections? For the most part, um, I, I would say so. Um, I always try to be conscientious when I'm talking that, you know, I don't always assume I'm talking to believers, right? 90% of the world is unbelieving. So for your listeners, you are an unbeliever like i i really do attribute these open doors to god like point blank um but i understand that's not how everybody comes at it but i dropped out of art school and um right before i did um one of my and my professors didn't know i was dropping out but they knew um, I was going to be relocating from Utica, New York, from the satellite campus down to Brooklyn. So our chapter, our season was coming to a close. And so they were very intentional about part giving us parting wisdom. And I remember going out to lunch with uh, my professor, David Cahill. He was my illustration professor. And he was talking about how he used to work for Sega and he found a pretty strong following in the um, gay community with his like illustration work. And he looked at me point blank. He's like, there's nothing gay about my work. Like, it's just, I do my work and it is what it is. But he's like, for whatever reason, you know, 30 something old gay men love my work. And the, the point that he was trying to illustrate to me was you need to find your audience. You know, he's like, there is some really weird stuff out in the world and it exists because those people have found an audience. 
And so that, that was his parting wisdom to me is like, don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your vision. Don't write yourself off and think it's too weird or it's too out of place because if you like it, chances are there's at least 500 other people out in the world that like that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you need to find those 500 people. And, um, where I grew up in upstate New York, diehard Dave Matthews band fans. Um, and I think Dave Matthews said in an interview recently that they're not really that successful or that big of a band. They just have 35,000 really dedicated followers. Mm. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and so a lot of these musicians who are selling out venues triple the size, that may be the only time half of those people ever see that artist perform. Yeah. Whereas like Dave Matthews fans have seen him play at least 20 times. And I've got a coworker, um, his name's Jeremy, who's a huge fish fan. And he's seen them play over a hundred times. I mean, that's a super humble number, but I don't want to exaggerate over a hundred times, you know? And so it's like, yeah, cool. You played this giant venue, but those people are in and gone. Yeah. You know, I it's, would it's much rather having, having fans, right. Who are, um, part of a community as opposed to someone who's just either purchasing a piece of art, listening to art, you know, checking in with it, um, because it's in pop culture or readily available just because it's, it's maybe the flavor of the month or something. Um, I, yeah, I think there's some wisdom in in finding your people, creating that community around the things that you're creating because it's serving them and speaking to them, right? Yeah. It's like it's speaking to you and you know that there are people who it's going to do the same for. Um, so how did that translate into like actual jobs and, you know, projects that you were working on? Well, I'll be honest, it didn't. <laughs> Um, so he, he gave me that advice and I got a job at Regal Cinemas, um, as a ticket taker, um, and an usher and man, the mental darkness of that yeah. season that was about 12 years ago now, um, it was horrible. And, um, you know, I moved back in with my parents, you know, I'm a 20 something guy, you know, having his dad make him lunch. Like it was just very demasculating. And I felt like a failure um, because I had fully intended on completing my art degree. But once I figured out those logistics, um, I was just like, yeah, I can't. But um, Quinn Tarantino, he never went to film school um, and he just studied um, what people were renting at the, the movie store he worked at. And he just kind of got an idea of what was popular, what people preferred and watched those movies and studied their stories. And so that just kind of encouraged me to make the most of where God puts you, mm -hmm. you know, just because you're not where you want to be doesn't mean you can't be moving forward. And uh, and in fact, I would argue that the very thing that looks like a detour is going to lead you to the very thing you need to achieve your success. So, but young self, I was mm -hmm. just depressed. And uh, yeah, I just watched a lot of movies and just focused on getting to, to tomorrow, which is an okay thing. You know, you know as you know creatives depression it's it just it's a it's a thing and i think we don't give ourselves enough of a pat on the back for just making it to tomorrow mm -hmm. you know but uh one of my coworkers, her dad he was a project developer for activision and he worked on like major projects like destiny um and you know just happenstance, serendipitous happenstance, you know, just meeting people and trudging along, um, got a lot of compliments and then a lot of confusion as to why I wasn't pursuing this as a career. Um, but then oddly that conversation never ended with that person putting money in my pocket. So I think they answered their own question. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, I know I'm talented and yeah, I know it, my stuff has potential, but if everybody complimenting it is just, oh, that's nice. And they keep walking like, you know, it, it just kind of, it's frustrating. You know, they don't understand, but from a creative perspective, it's just like, really? 
mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's like if I ever stop on the street to watch a street performer play, you know, I may never look them up on Spotify or go to one of their concerts, but I always try to at least leave a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, because like yeah. imagine if a bunch of people gathered around you and watched you work and perform this thing you've honed for over a decade and they're just captivated and you can tell it's filling their soul and then the song ends and they just walk away mm-hmm. you know like yeah i know that musician is thankful that they acquired an audience but then it's just like okay well if you enjoyed that and you want more of it like you just showed up it's like walking into a buffet eating the food and not paying for the bill mm-hmm. like you wouldn't you wouldn't do that so why would you walk up to a street performer and listen to them perform for five minutes and just walk away? Yeah, I think there's a, a a bias towards free entertainment that is in our culture and, you know, not paying for things where we don't have to kind of mentality a lot of times. Um, and thankfully, there are a lot of people who, who decide, no, you know what, I'm going to see the value in something and I want to support that. Because they realize that, you know, if there's going to be continued creative um, projects and, and art and things that we're going to enjoy and that are going to actually impact us, then we need to invest in that in some way and invest in the creators who are who are making these things. Um, because you know, without that, we're going to lack a lot of inspiration and innovation and things that touch us as people that. You know, you could have a doctor who listens to a song who's really inspired by something and that could change the, the trajectory of how they show up and do what they do. Um, and so without that song, you know, who knows what may have happened, right? So there's yeah. definitely something to be said for investing in the quote arts of, of things and creators um, and in and valuing not just the product, but the process and the person behind those things as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like the investment side always just confounds me. Like I, I haven't cracked the code yet, but it was like, I've done artwork for people that I would have been more than confident to charge, say 150 bucks for like, and people would probably criticize me for not charging enough and then just be left empty handed, you know, like, Okay. Now, grant you, it wasn't a a formal business relationship. I was just, I did a piece of work and they wanted it. And because it made them happy, I gave it to them. But yeah, just left me empty handed for something that, you know, I poured my time into. But then the inverse to that, I remember I was in Nashville and maybe it's just because Nashville is an artsier city, but I was drawing at a coffee shop and this couple came up to me because they had seen me drawing throughout their date and just gave me 20 bucks. Hmm. And I was like, what's, what's this for? And they're like, it's so you don't stop. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was over eight years ago and I'm like starting to tear up Yeah, because of $20. Like it's, it's so hard communicating to non like art, oriented people that it's not about the money you know it's it's the gesture of respect Mm -hmm. yeah well and that that goes a long way because that encouragement can literally make you continue on when you're at a point where you're like you know is anybody even paying attention does this even matter um it's hard when you're a creative person and you're starting to feel a little lost in your own journey and your own creative expression um to have those encouraging moments it can make all the difference for sure uh-huh. what what are the projects that you feel like you've done or been a part of that are ones that stay with you that kind of even encourage you as you think about them and go like man i i those were great to be a part of and i want to do maybe even more of those kind of things yeah um I wish that question wasn't as hard to answer as it is. That's kind of it makes sad. Um, but uh, we did talk earlier about Paint Memphis and the the mural festivals that I've done, um, and and that I would definitely I, w- I would say that that's huge. Um, you know, you mentioned motivation and how it might affect a doctor and you know their trajectory and my own trajectory. And, you know, man, it's just, it's such a privilege. 
Um, I actually had a friend of mine back in August die abruptly. Um, his name was Mike Hellman. And uh, I remember going to a coffee shop. I, I spent a lot of time in coffee shops. That's going to be a reoccurring theme <laughs> yes. this podcast. I think all creatives do. <laughs> um, um, and on the note of like networking, it's been such an invaluable tool. Like mm-hmm. just... I could draw my couch or I can draw where somebody could notice me. Yes. Um, But that's, that's, we could talk about that in a minute, but um, my friend passed away and I went to this coffee shop. It was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was drawing and the barista could tell that I was in a pretty emotional state. And she asked what was up, told her she gave me a free shot of espresso because she felt bad for me and saw the artwork and loved it. And so I kind of thought that that's where that experience was going to end. But then fast forward a few months, um, this annual mural festival I go to in Memphis um, was on the horizon. And I was asked to submit like my concept, you know, the design I was planning on doing. And so I said, you know what, like, I don't really have anything. And I just did this piece of work that means a lot to me. I'm going to submit that. And so I submitted the memorial piece that I did for my friend, Mike. And then the design was approved. I got this like 27 foot tall wall and to paint it on. So it was huge. Um, And I had fallen at the festival a year prior off of a six foot ladder that put me out of work for four months. This mural, I had to get up on a 30 foot ladder. So like, you know, it was just a very emotional experience um, honoring my friend, not letting trauma hold me down um, and, you know, did the piece. But I just got a lot of compliments from his friends and family. Um, His brother reached out to me just saying like he was blown away by how I honored him. And it's that kind of stuff, you know, like I I haven't really necessarily had any opportunities to work with my heroes. Um, I I do have one particular instance that I'm sure we'll get into momentarily, but the ones that have stuck out to me were the ones that I could tell were life giving, Mm -hmm. you know, I know I'm talented and I don't feel arrogant or narcissistic claiming that, um, But what brings me joy and what pushes me to keep creating is when I see what gives me life, give life to others. Mm -hmm. You know, if it does that, then like, that's the reward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're doing these uh, and became part of this, this um, mural festival, was that something that you had done a lot of previously or was this like you're interested in this and you're kind of figuring out your way as you go? (laughs) Absolutely. 100% no history. Um, And I hope that's an encouragement to anybody listening um, to just get started. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to explore abandoned buildings. Um, I was uh, pretty, um, plugged into the Memphis photography community, still am. I'm in uh, group chats talking with Memphis photographers all the time. Um, and we would explore abandoned buildings. Um, got caught by the cops a few times. Um, somehow I never got arrested. Um, but, you know, we would explore. And my one buddy, Hugo, who I did most of my exploring with, he would always criticize me for not bringing spray cans with me to the buildings because he's like because he knew i was an illustrator he's like you could paint on the walls and i as as a self-proclaimed trespasser um i had a personal moral code of look don't touch um that was kind of how i justified my actions and i was like okay i'm not gonna take anything i'm not gonna destroy anything i'm just here to document and so he always got on me about not bringing my spray paint and I was like, dude, you know, I don't spray paint. And he's like, well, you can start here. And uh, I was like, okay, no, no. And uh, I, I really don't know what the like aha click moment was, but um, Paint Memphis was coming back around again. And I think he had been nagging me for so long, like all year long, that I just was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so for the you had to submit a portfolio and man it was so daunting like getting to that section because i knew like the talent that this festival attracted and i didn't have anything hmm. luckily though 
they did say in the portfolio section you could include traditional medium like you didn't have to provide mural work like you just had to show proof of talent and so i submitted three drawings and i remember i was back in nashville hiking at a park when i got my phone went off with the email and i was like i got accepted hmm. like i was so stoked like so stoked and then like within seconds i was like oh crap i don't know how to do this <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like i was excited but then i was like now we actually have to do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's kind of like that age old pursuing that love interest. And then they actually start to reciprocate and you're like, I wasn't ready for this. Part. <laughs> yeah. So, so in that process, were you um, just asking other people who had, who did murals for advice or like, how did you figure out how to move forward in that? So I showed up to the festival. I did the design. They sent me a picture of the wall. And the email read that I could paint within this delegated spot. Like that's what the email said. What you need to know, Mike, is that the spot was 32 feet tall. Mm. It was 32 feet tall and about six and a half to eight feet wide. And the event planner later confessed to me that she thought I was just going to get like maybe a 12 foot ladder and, you know, maybe go 15 feet up and call it a day. But it, it was my first time and call it advantageous, but I had a 32 <laughs> foot wall. I wanted to paint on a 32 foot wall. And uh, so I did my design and uh, showed up to the festival with uh, the paint. At the time, I was only working in black and white. So that actually helped me a lot because I didn't need to necessarily worry about color palettes. I just had to worry about gradients and tones. Um, so that was an unintentional benefit to myself. Like everybody who knew my work knew I worked in black and white. And so all I had to do, and it also makes buying paint super easy because <laughs> you're like, oh, I, I should have gotten one extra red or, oh, I needed two more greens. Like you can yeah. just get 40 whites and 40 blacks. <laughs> and if you don't use 10 of the whites, you can just use it on the next project. Yeah. Um, I work in color now, but I, I miss those days because, oh my gosh, it was so, yeah. But yeah, so I showed up with my paint and this guy came up to me. His name was Nels. Um, Nels has also passed away. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of death in my life. Um, and, uh, and we'll get into how I value life going on for sure. But so he passed away, but in, while he was still alive, he came up to me and he was like, what do you plan on doing? And I presented him my sketch and he was like, oh, that's really cool. And, you know, he really like hyped me up. And then this other girl, Myra, um, she was like a mandala artist and she hyped me up. And then this artist named Esh um, from Tampa, he hyped me up. And then my friend Eric, who wasn't my friend at the time, he hyped me up. And then Cosby and um, Sarah, these painters also uh, from Florida, they hyped me up. And so, dude, like just the community and the welcoming, like, I don't know if it's because it was a festival environment, because, right, like as an artist, it's a lot of feast or famine. And so mm -hmm. when you see other artists getting a lot of work, there can be maybe some jealousy. Um, but with the festival, everybody had their wall and it was just creativity for the sake of creativity. And we were just celebrating each other, mm, you yeah. know, and it was awesome. You yeah. know, it was awesome to like, feel like we were at odds with each other, but just celebrating each other. And, uh, and Nels specifically was a game changer because Nels was like an OG Southern California, like AE's graffiti artist. And I didn't know it at the time, like he was just a random guy. But then like halfway through my design, I went over to check out his wall and uh, he had written his like crew letters at the bottom. And he was in WAI, which is one of the biggest graffiti crews in the country. And I was like, wait, what? And I was blown. Like I was starstruck and uh, he gave me some advice and we continued to be friends up till his, his passing. Um, but yeah, man, it was just that community, that rooting for each other, celebrating creativity for the sake of creativity. And, uh, I remember I knocked out the bottom half of my mural in about 20 hours. And then I knocked out the top half in 
two and a half. And uh, it was only because they didn't have enough bucket trucks and the event planner didn't have the heart to tell me like, no. And so she's like, well, I'm going to give the bucket trucks to like the actually good artists. And then like, you can have the, the scraps and, you know, I get it. And so I got the bucket truck and I just whipped it out. And honestly, Mike, I'm so thankful. I only had two and a half hours. Mm. Um, having such a limited window of time prevented me from overthinking myself, mm -hmm. trusting the process and just executing. And I guarantee you, if I were to walk you up to that mural today, because it still stands, it's about five years old at this point, you wouldn't notice the time difference. Yeah. That's how much I had overthought myself at the bottom. Mm. Sometimes we need those uh, creative restraints in order to actually help us get more creative uh, and, and think about how to problem solve quicker. And like you said, not overthink and not overwork. Um, because if we have sky's the limit, sometimes that's too paralyzing and we'll flounder and won't actually produce great work because of that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. So, and, and that's the, like the, having those restraints, you're right. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, that I hear in your story, as you, you talk about these different experiences is, is the sense of community, uh, that's around art and the importance of that. And, um, you know, that's certainly, something that as a creative person, we need other people around us. Um, you know, obviously we need places where we go and kind of tunnel vision and put our head down and do our work, but we need to know we're part of something bigger um, and to have people who are contributing in things, which is a good segue into, I want to talk about your project uh, Scribbles and just how this came about, what this is, and and it seems like you know it's it's a uh again it's a great place for a community for people to contribute and be a part of something that's larger than themselves um so talk a little bit about like what is scribbles where did it come from and what does it look like yeah man well i have a lot of faith in scribbles and i'm expecting it to to go to the moon and that's that's coming from somebody who's very self-deprecating so I, I don't know where this confidence is coming from, but I do think it's it's largely rooted in that that community aspect. Um, but it was it was birthed um, like many great ideas and great projects from just a dark place. Um, I was working in the TV industry as a producer and a very fulfilling job and, you know, get to travel a lot and eat a lot of cool food. Um, but you know and it and it did tap into my creative brain more than any other like day job i've had but i was drawing less and less and less and my buddy mike that i had mentioned earlier who i did the memorial piece he would frequently you know come up to me on the side and be like so you're still drawing what have you drawn you know and i could tell he was kind of bummed out that my drawing was like withering and wilting but there was just nothing to say, right? You know, like I just, yeah, creating for creating is fine. But like, if I don't have anything to say, then like, I'm not going to grab the microphone. Mm. And I think that's a huge problem in today's society is everybody wants the microphone, but they don't have anything to say. So sit down. But um, so I didn't really have anything to say. And I was at a coffee shop here in Colorado Springs called Building 3. And I had my iPad and uh, I was just, I, I had three hours to draw something and I didn't know what to draw. And I was just overwhelmed. And I was like, you know what? I don't know what's going to come of this. I don't even know what I'm doing. But I grabbed my iPad. I went up to one of the baristas behind the counter. His name was Paul. And we had developed a friendship over you know the last few months because we go to Building 3 a lot. And I asked him to do a scribble on my iPad and he looked at me confused and he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, just, 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 just do a scribble. I didn't even tell him I was going to transform it. I was like, I need you to do a scribble. So he did a scribble. And then I went back to my seat and I did this drawing and three hours later I showed it to him and he was just mind blown. Like, and it's just, it, it was such a great reminder for me personally of the blessing that I have in my giftings, you know, because it's all I've ever known. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so you, you like your hands, you kind of take them for granted. And then seeing his response, it just r- was a really stark like reminder that I have a gift, that yeah. this isn't normal, that not everybody can do this, you know? And it was just the encouragement that I needed to like, okay, I need to start getting back into my art. And uh, my buddy, Jeremy, the the fish guy that I mentioned earlier, he uh, he gave me a scribble, which I transformed. And then my buddy Trip, these are all people I work with in, in the TV industry. Um, he gave me a scribble, which was um, him and his fiance's like initials. And uh, as I was drawing, he came over and gave me um, at least what I consider a large sum of money. And I was like, not even close to being done. And he's like, hey, here's some motivation. And I was like, what? So anyways, I finished the piece. He was blown away and uh, continued talking to my coworkers. And I was like, dude, you have a thing here. Like this, this is a thing. Like, it's not just like a thing you're doing. Like, this is a thing. And uh, they just kept saying that. And then with the financial support trip showed me, I was just like, okay, well, I guess I have to figure out what this is. Mm-hmm. And uh, over the next six months, I kept collecting scribbles and transforming them. And then um, I'll be kind of honest. The name is not, I'm not madly in love with it. Um, but what I've found as a creative is we can get kind of caught up in our heads, just trying to impress ourselves with how creative we can be mm-hmm. um, at the expense of onlookers. It, it, it makes our work inaccessible. And, and maybe somebody like yourself would be like, oh, love the title. My mom is not going to get it. And so when I was trying to figure out what to call it, I was like, well, why not just call it what it is? Mm-hmm. I mean, like it seems very uninspired, but it communicates what it is. Yeah. And, and so that's how I landed on the name Scribbles. Um, and yeah, man, it's, it's just been really good. And what I've found as the project has developed is you're right. It is community focused. And, and that was a big thing that trip brought to my attention was, you know, I, I have an opportunity to tell stories, mm-hmm. not just the stories of the characters I'm creating, but tell stories of the people who are contributing the scribbles. Yes. And, yeah. you know, and so it's just, yeah, it's just this evolving project, you know, and, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, just get started. Dude, if you watch some cartoons that are like on their 20th season, you watch season one, like it'll, it'll make you <laughs> flint. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. imagine how it makes the creators feel like the Simpsons, mm-hmm. like not good, like mm-hmm. not good. And now like a household name, one of the longest running shows in history, like, but you got to start somewhere before you can start improving it. Yes. And so that's kind of where struggles is right now. Like we're in that, like, what is this phase? Which is kind of daunting because there's no roadmap. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I have noticed is the trends of story and and community and most recently um i really want as this project to as this project grows to encourage people that there is sense within the senseless um that you know they present me with a scribble and so i have to sit there for a few minutes an hour and like what am i looking at Mm -hmm. so they they present me with this senselessness and then over the course of a few more hours, I make sense of it. And, and I really want to encourage people, you know, m- you know, practice what you preach kind of thing of there is sense to be found in the senseless. You know, just like I mentioned earlier, me working at the movie theater and not understanding where life was going. You know, it was in that season that I, I learned the value of friendship and community and the value of arts and the different walks of life. And like this, it was just a very formational season of my life that all of this is being built upon. Mm-hmm. You know? And so t- time 
time makes sense of the senseless. And so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, as people discover this project and they follow, follow along, yes, I want them to be excited about the art, but I don't want them to be miss the real point. And the real point is that in the moment when you can't make sense of anything, there is sense to be made. Hmm. And you just have to trust the process. You have to trust time and, and let things be and not get so deep in the trenches where you're trying to control everything. Like just enjoy the ride, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and have faith that in due time, this scribble that is your life circumstance will become a piece of art. Yeah. Yeah. I love and, that. Love that. That's, that's it. You know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's so true. And it's such a great visual for, what our lives often look like. It's the scribble. It's the, you know, everybody wants the like, you know, up into the right kind of progress in their life where they're just, you know, more and higher and, and the promotion and all the things that are all lined up. But really it's the scribble. That's what our lives look like. It's the, it's the missteps. It's the one step forward, two steps back. It's the, you know, how does this piece fit into my overall life? I don't really know, you know, the circumstances that we would never choose, but we have to deal with whatever, like all the things that make up life. And yet it's creating a life for us. Um, if we're willing, to look and to sit with it. And I love that, you know, this project seems to take so many different things of your path so far. It takes, you know, the community aspect. It takes obviously your artistic talent. It takes your interest in creatures and monsters and things, and, and it brings that into it. It, you know, inviting other people in to, to submit their scribbles and to be a part of a story that's bigger, like all these things. It seems like that there's a culmination of, the pieces and parts that you've previously described that it's, it's leading towards and it's not done yet, which is, you know, great. Well, and and that's, it's kind of like meta, if you will, Mm -hmm. but what you just described was my life scribble being turned into a work of art. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. You know, and, and you hit the nail on the head. Like it, it, tackles my love of storytelling it tackles my love of character design it tackles my love of art for art itself it tackles my love of community like and and that's why i have so much confidence in this like Mm -hmm. i i don't i don't know if this project will make me a millionaire i don't know if this project will ever make me a a hundred thousand dollars in its entirety what I can promise you is that up to my very last breath, I'll be creating scribbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, that's and how it, I know it's going to be successful. It's it's also tied to how you see, right? Like it's not simply um, just another project, but it's giving you the ability, you know, it kind of reminds me of like when you're a kid and you're looking up at the clouds and you're like, oh, I see like a dragon or I see a whatever, you know, it's, it's tied so much to your, the way you see life and the way you see things and how you interpret things. And I think that's what's attractive to it also beyond the aesthetics visually of your talent and skill, obviously. There's there's the yeah. sense of, oh, Travis sees things that other people don't see. And yeah. I wanna see what he's gonna make of this because I'm, I, so here's something that I made a scribble. What is he gonna do with that? Ooh, I can't wait to, to watch his process unfold. You know, yeah, I'm I'm going to lose a lot of artist credit with this, uh, this butchered quote, but I want to say it was Van Gogh, but it, you know, the quote, it's the quote that goes, the artist is the child who survived. It's, it's a very famous quote, yeah. but yeah, it's, you know, the, the artist is the child who survived and yeah, man, like the helping people have hope that the senselessness in their life has sense to it. And then also challenging them to return to their childhood bedroom, Mm -hmm. right? You know, like I was with my wife at like this ladies dinner, super awkward because I was the only dude there, (laughs) But, um, but they were very, they were very welcoming. And my wife's friend just kind of, um, she just said with this very positive tone that I have a childlike heart. Right. Like I I had never really had somebody speak to that in such a positive, like redeeming light. And I really 
I really want that to be the legacy of scribbles. Like I want as people receive their scribbles to be in ignited and inflamed to pursue the things that they love simply because they love them, not because it'll get them credibility with their community or whether it'll make them money. But like, I don't care if like you're the giant gym rat who has never shed a tear and you've suddenly been enthralled by cooking, like get the pots, get the pans, mm-hmm. get the spices, yeah. like do the thing. Yeah. You know, like I'm just tired of these societal standards holding us back from joy. And, you know, it's just like, I feel like we can learn a lot at the feet of our five-year-old selves. Like what, what was the thing that you were doing before you were told what you were supposed to be doing or mm-hmm. before you connected the dots and assumed what it was you were supposed to be doing? Yeah. You know, what did you do when you just had time? Yeah. And it was fun. And you just did it because it was like, this is cool. I'm not thinking about anything else other than this is making me feel fulfilled. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing something significant because it brings me joy and other people seem to enjoy it too. And then let's do more of that and then let the other stuff figure itself out as I show up and create. Right. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this has been awesome conversation, uh, and I'm sure people are, are curious now, like how can they contribute to uh, the Scribbles project, and how can they find you, and like so, t- point us in a direction. How can people follow you, be a part of the Scribbles project, and and uh, the community there? So right now, the best avenue is through Instagram um, at the handle Scribbles by Whiskers. Whiskers doesn't have any uh, vowels in it. So it's scribbles by whiskers. Um, But I will be launching a website this month at whiskersworld.com. No vowels in whiskers world. Um, But yeah, so scribbles by whiskers on Instagram right now. And then whiskersworld.com by the end of end of February. But uh, yeah, scribbles um, are commission based um, because my time is not limitless and I want to respect those who respect me. Um, but yeah, if, if those, if those are, who are interested are willing to respect my time, I, I hope to in exchange, give them something that will inspire them to be a better version of themselves. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to put that link in the show notes for people to easily click find the project find you and follow along with what's happening and hopefully become a part of things so um thank you so much mike i appreciate it absolutely uh i loved our conversation today and and wish you all the best with this project and the ones that are yet to come travis so uh onward and upward right onward and upward thanks for listening today I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.